From Taipei, Taiwan, I'm Franklin, and you're listening to the Rock Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way they affect our daily lives. Coming up in today's show, Professor Yuan Li will join us to talk about the Future Earth program and his thoughts on science and sustainability. So stay tuned for all of this here on the Rock Science Show. the program. I'm indeed in Taipei right now and I'm here with a very esteemed guest, uh, Professor Yuan Li, who is the president of the ICSU, uh, also known as the International Council for Science. Um, he was previously the president of Academia Sinica and a former professor at UC Berkeley, where he won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1985. Uh, professor Li, thank you so much for joining us here today. My pleasure. So uh, we've had you uh, on a couple of occasions. It's been an inspiration. I understand what your current position, you're working more in the international regime. Could you tell us a little bit about ICSU and the role it plays in science? Well, I'm the immediate past president. My term was up last September. And ICSU is a very interesting nation. Uh, it was after the First World War. Scientists got together and they realized that the scientists from all over the world should work together in order to maintain peace and prosperity. So this was organized and it went through the Second World War and Cold War period. And scientists still working very hard. It was a mission. The mission is called Strengthening the International Science for the benefit of society. And we have the 121 national members, and then we also have 31 international so, uh, scientific societies as members. So it's very unique. On one hand, with the physics, chemists, astronomy, and all the scientific unions. On the other hand, we do have 120 national members. And in recent years, we, are, we have been paying enormous attention to the sustainability problem. And that has been one of the major issues. And a couple of years ago, we promoted a major program called Future Earth. And to see how can human society transform for the sustainability. In addition to this, we also work on the integrated research on disaster risk, also on the human health in the cities, and many other things. When we last met uh, a few years ago, there was a lot of uh, attention in you know many of these scientific societies about sustainability yes. and these global challenges. But in the last 10 years, we've seen very slow progress. Uh, yeah. Maybe at the local level, we've seen some action. But in the international regime, it's still very slow. Are you still optimistic that we can still change things for the better? Well, I would not say. I'm optimistic, but 
we certainly have come to a very critical time. Politically speaking, it's interesting, 10 years ago, when Kyoto Protocol uh, was promoted and tried to sign, many countries didn't sign it. But now, when you see the climate change and the extreme weather events, it hitting us one after another, people have different idea now. So this year, at the end of the year, there will be a COP21 in France. Politically, it's now very different. US, China, European Union, all will come and engage in serious discussion. So that aspect has changed dramatically. So as I said, this is a critical year. Whether COP21 will come to some agreement or not will influence the future of mankind, especially for the people, young generation. And so in that aspect, things are moving along. The second thing is, in order to have some global agreement, to have some impact, in addition to have a deep decarbonization, we need some money to get international collaborations. So we'll be talking about hopefully by 2020, every year, $100 billion will come from the developed country to developing country to maintain, for example, like sustainable development goal and other things. Earlier this year, two months ago, I was in India attending daily sustainable development summit. At this summit, uh, people already mentioned that the commitment is already reached more than 60 billion a year. Our hope is to get, get up to 100 billion a year before the end of the year. So it looks like uh, that goal will also be achievable. So if these two things, people get together and agree to deep decarbonization and go $100 billion a year, every year from 1920, then we will be moving in the right direction. So this is very important here. The institutions that you've worked with mostly are in the public domain. Uh, what do you see as the role of the private sector or the industry in terms of these sustainability oh, issues? It's really very important. When we are promoting the program called Future Earth, we integrated all the international geosphere, biosphere program, human dimension program, world climate change program into one. At the time, we realized we have to have a co-design, co-creation with all the public, private, and, and industry. All the people need to work together. And this is very well understood now. Mm -hmm. So when I mentioned $60 billion a year, it's not all coming from the government. Large fraction are coming from private sectors. They are making some commitment. So you mentioned the international geosphere, biosphere, program and part of the thrust is to engage society yeah. uh, and to integrate science into decision making. Yeah. So uh, until now there's been a lot of siloing between different fields and mm -hmm. also between humanities and yes. the sciences. Uh, you know, what do you think are the opportunities to bring these main uh, fields together? I think it has not been moving slowly. During the last couple of years, we have more serious engagement. For example, we do have an International Council for Science. We also have an International Social Science Council. And now we are working together on the future. And in the International Council for Science, two years ago, we accepted as a member the organization International Sociology Association. So social scientists are moving in. Mm -hmm. So this is a good thing. And people realize scientists alone would not solve the problem. We need many countries work together and people across the board really have to join in. Uh, a few years ago, the AAAS, the American Association yeah. for Advancement of Science, had started uh, a new concept called the Grand Challenges, whereby we look at these global issues and solve yeah. it in a integrated approach. You know, at the institutional level, what, what do you think needs to be done so that we can uh, revolve around these themes better? Well, when you talk about the grand challenges, 
I would say at this moment, we have to do deep decarbonization. Mm. This is really the number one issue. And in order to achieve deep decarbonization, innovation in energy aspect yeah. really need to be done. But you see the social structure and of behavior uh, of everybody will be very important. And as, as I said, the politically this this year seems to be moving better. But if I look at the social problem and social aspect, I still feel we are lagging a little bit behind. If I said that the, the entire human society on Earth is overdeveloped, and many of the people agree that we are consuming too much, too many population, and then we are changing our environment so fast. So we said overdeveloped. That people will accept. But then if I said you and I are living in overdeveloped society, we do have to change. And we will not be a good example for the people in Africa or India to imitate. Right. And then people will have different uh, different view. And I said entire human society is overdeveloped. So you look, if you look at the consumption of cement in China during the last three years, they consume the amount of cement which the United States consumed during the last century. Only in three years, they consume 100 years of consumption of cement in the United States. And everybody taking development, taking U.S. as a model, and said we need to develop. And so we have to concede that they many parts of the world are overdeveloped. Then, I think we, socially, we have to accept that they, what is really mean by development. Right. So, if you said in America, people use 10 kilowatt of electricity on average, and my question is, do we really need 10 kilowatt or two kilowatt enough? Mm-hmm. And people say, if you organize a society in a better way, Two kilowatt might be enough. So then it's not every country to get 10 kilowatt in a clean way. Yes. It's how can we use much less energy, much less material, and get a better life. Mm-hmm. So those are the aspects, which is a bigger challenge. So in Asia, try to set up the Asia Investment Bank or infrastructure. I think if every country want to imitate China to set up the infrastructure using so much steel, cement, I think there's no, no any chance for humanity. So that's one aspect we have to change. As you mentioned, technology alone will not be able to solve these problems. Uh, But the challenge is uh, who who will pay for these technologies Mm -hmm. and how do you uh, deploy them in a fair manner? You know, what what are some of the thoughts of scientists of how to work on these in a fair way? Mm -hmm. See, now the developing country said we have the right to develop. Mm -hmm. So they are demanding technology transfer. But I'm really very worried. For example, if every automobile company go to Africa and corrupt the government, and that's the way to do, and every country will start to develop the automobile industry, and then build up the freeway, and every three, one of the three people want to own a car, there's no way. If we want to develop the modern city, how can make city more efficient, and everybody will get things done within walking distance, driving bicycle, or uh, simple transportation systems to get it done, rather than building up the humongous mega cities and spend hours and hours moving from one side to the other. And if people start to build a freeway and buy the automobile instead of public transportation system. So when we said development will pay for it, I'll ask what do you mean by development? And of course, developing country would like developed country to help. 
the reason is developed country already burned the fossil fuel developed to this stage problem were created by them mm-hmm. so they have to pay for it and help them develop so it's interesting United Nations is coming up with a sustainable development goal so want everybody to we have the clean energy water well enough food but there's one thing missing I said the missing thing is what do you mean by development mm-hmm. develop like Bhutan or like United States if a young man <coughs> were to be in Taiwan he will walk to school or riding bicycle and worse you're riding motorcycling but you go to Houston to be a graduate student everybody within a couple months is owning a car because that's the city you won't be able to function without a car yes yeah. the city you need a car yeah so in the Houston if you ask the young man what is your essential need because we say we want to satisfy the essential need mm-hmm. of everybody so what is your essential need you say oh I need food I need automobile it will come up immediately mm-hmm. well if you live in Africa without an automobile and then if that person go to America to become a modern person but by automobile that person will be emitting 100 kilograms of carbon dioxide a week so that's a big change so we said we don't reduce carbon dioxide so you might say that gee we might ask the students to move from Houston or Los Angeles to Africa then person will become clean so I, I still have lots of problem with uh, the pattern of development because the Western people tend to think the way they are living mm-hmm. is the in a developed society of course if you go to US in Houston Los Angeles suddenly it's different from uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. or European cities but how should we develop you know the example of someone moving from a, a developing country to say mm-hmm. a place like US um, they're driven probably by economic incentives or or aspirations for a better life um, you know what what is the role of education in giving people a more thoughtful view of the world if I would say the world the earth is infinity then what's going on production consumption production consumption to stimulate the economy that's okay and that will be the pattern of the past efficiency coming from the specialization and scale so people to the city economy developed but earth is finite we cannot take any more carbon dioxide it's finite so in the educational system we should let everybody to realize we have too many people consuming too much earth is overloaded we start thinking we cannot go on like this we really need to change so if you make a reasonable city with a public transportation subway system rather than everybody running run the car of course in Japan in Tokyo subway subway system is tremendous on the other hand it becomes so big mm-hmm. people still need lots of energy to move from one spot to the other so that's a question we are dealing with now urbanization seems to be a trend people accept that they need to urbanize China is really moving very fast to move the population to the cities but what kind of city and also when the energy becomes diffused everybody starts to depend on sunshine then concentrated energy would that be the one needed to run the big city so we, we have lots of questions to, to answer 
So speaking of cities, uh, you know, one of the driving concepts right now is the idea of a, a smart city, uh, something yeah. that integrates information technologies into every aspect yes. of our lives. Do you think an emphasis on technology is the right way, or do we need to think a little bit more than that? Well, if you look at the development of mankind on Earth, it's the sunshine created through the photosynthesis and brought about the life, and we depend on the sunshine to recycle it. It is after the Industrial Revolution, we use fossil fuel. So we detach from sunshine, we detach from nature, and people flock to the cities because Industrial Revolution also brought the scale, mm-hmm. production scale, specialization, productivity went up. But then the productivity went up, come to a point, city will not be that productive anymore, and now population is going down. Mm-hmm. Population is going down. City is just not the place to bring up the, the children, the, the teach from the nature. So every time when I went back to the uh, countryside, I said, gee, when I was young, I, live up, uh, I grew up in this environment. That's the environment mankind should live. Cement block. Right. Live like an ant. <laughs> So we talked about some grand concepts today. In terms of basic science, what do you think are the most you know, fundamental questions that we should still be addressing to uh, support development issues? Well, um, in scientific issue, I want to separate two things. One thing is, we all know that the scientists get out of research to accumulate new knowledge, invent new technologies so that research has been doing. And then society do expect the accumulated knowledge and technology will become a social production through innovation. So if taxpayer pay money to do research and product is not for the elevation of society, then mm-hmm. it's no money is not well spent. So we really understood that there's a cycle from research in accumulation of knowledge and technology. The data has to feedback through innovation to the social product. Mm-hmm. But the first part, scientists are driven by curiosity. And so if you look at the astronomy, ever-expanding field of one understand the universe, break hole, break energy, and all those things, people very curious to try to understand. At the same time, biology also, phenomenal life, and people are investigating structural matters from nanosciences, some of, some of the functional things. So scientists have been really curious and opened up the frontiers. Mm-hmm. But now society is looking at scientific research and said, we have to do something useful. Otherwise, money spent and not doing something useful. Right. Of course, that usefulness has two aspects to it. One is you are not doing good science, so you are not getting good scientific mm-hmm. results to be useful. People always said, good scientific result, you find a new phenomena, new truths, which will eventually be useful. But because of this, this cycle become a shorter and shorter. So people expect you spend money to do research, that will be useful. So in Academy Senegal, 20 years ago, I came back, become the president. I said, if 10% of the people are making these connections, produce resources, mm-hmm. then 90% of the scholars will be liberated to do what you want, and 10% will make the conditions. But now it's kind of sad, Every, everybody has a pressure. So in some of the institutes in atomic molecular sciences, 
they're working on condensed matters. Yes. And immediately said, oh, you have to do something for energy conversion or energy mm. storage. So immediately focus will be into a short-term return. And that's, I do worry quite a bit about mm. the development of science. People want to do something to get the result quickly. So you want to write a research proposal and people review it and say, yes, that could be done. You have the result and say, that proposal is fundable. Or you do something and this will be publishable. Mm -hmm. It's fundable, publishable. And gradually, big imagination and idea will be losing. And that's one thing I, I worry very much. In the biology also, people want to work on something when the new molecule will be transformed into medicine and make lots of money. So that, that connection, um, recently, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I, I guess we're running uh, a little bit out of time, but uh, do you have some last words to young scientists who you know, are still very curious and want to have a career in science or solving these big issues? Well, I think if you look around different possible things one can do for your life, I think the scientific research still is the most exciting, most rewarding thing because you are always trying to find the truth and you do not compromise and want to find truth and working so hard. At the same time, you know that you, if you don't work together, you won't find good result. And as you are being in the leadership position, become a group leader, unless you bring up the young people to do well, you are not going to do good research either. So I think this, this scientific research is still most exciting and most wonderful job. Except, as I said recently, because the, the research and money-making and bring some results become a little too, too short. And at the same time, competition becomes so keen. Not easy to get money and uh, too much pressure to get some useful results. That made the life a little tougher. So the younger generation now look at the science, scientific research as a career. Certainly it's not uh, as as good as it used to be. Right. And that's something regrettable. And more and more people um, get into the money business. You see, I don't know what I mentioned to you three, four years ago. If you look at the Princeton graduate, 70% end up in Wall Street. And you look at the Harvard graduate, undergraduate student, mm -hmm. also about 60-some percent went to Wall Street. Yes. And people ask questions, do you really want to train smart people and all the smart people want to make money and mm -hmm. try to launder money. That's really not, not a good thing. So three or four years ago, some of the students said, I want to go to Harvard as an undergraduate student. I said, are you going to end up in the Wall Street? If that is the case, gee, I'm not sure. But it's a good thing. Certainly wise words and uh, things to keep in mind for uh, young people out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Lee, uh, thank you so much for taking your time uh, to talk with me today. Well, my pleasure. And we were just talking to the past immediate president of ICSU, uh, Professor yes. Yuan Lee. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in again next week for more from the world of science, technology, and the way they affect our daily lives. In the meantime, you can check us on the web at www.grox.net, on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at science at grox.net. For Grox Science, I'm Frank Ling. Stay tuned here for more music.